Excellent. Thanks for having me on the program. Uh, my name is Guy LePage. I'm a, an executive director of ASX listed Conico. We are a mineral explorer with projects in Greenland and in Norseman in Western Australia. Guy, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, uh, when I last spoke with Conoco, I spoke with Tom. Um, what's your role? I mean, how long have you been associated with the company? Um, good question. About 15 years. It feels like 50 years, but only 15 years. Um, taken a more active role in the last 12 months as we've sort of refocused from uh, Greenland onto uh, the Mount Thirsty Cobalt Nickel Project. Um, but you're not full time on Conoco. Um, you're, you're, so um, explain um, what, what your other uh, hat or hats are, please. Uh, I'm a non-exec on a board of uh, Mount Ready Mines, which is a rare earth explorer in the southwest of WA. And I'm an executive director of RM Capital Group, which is a stockbroking firm based here in Perth, uh, focused on um, natural resources. And that, I mean, because um, we, we were speak, speaking just just before line, and um, but before we came online, and uh, we've got to some degree, a relatively similar uh, background in that I started in, in exploration geology and then um, ended up as an analyst and, and and the roles evolved from from then on. And you had a similar trajectory. Could you just kind of outline that as well, please? That's right. Uh, I had about 10 years as a exploration and mining geologist in West Australia, South Australia, then Canada and the US for a few years. Um, predominantly sort of base metals, gold, then moved into uh, uh, mining analyst roles sort of late 90s, then into corporate finance in early 2000s before we set up the Arm Capital Group in about the middle of 2002. So I've uh, been doing similar sort of things since then. Uh, the reason why I asked that is because when one looks at a company like Conoco with a portfolio in Greenland and an asset in Australia. Um, with your background as a as a as a broker and as an analyst, and having seen hundreds of projects and thousands of projects and companies over the years, it kind of gives you a um, a perspective on where the company is. I mean, it's got a market capitalization of twelve million dollars. Um, could you just kind of within the within the context of your kind of day job? at RM Capital Group, kind of describe where you think uh, Conoco is. Uh, it's it, it, it's about half time after, a, you know, like a, a bruising encounter with the uh, British Lions. You know, we've, we've got a little bit of a bloody nose from uh, Greenland, which uh, is still highly prospective, and, but it came with a pretty big budget, and we ran that for sort of three seasons. Um, had sort of technical success you know we we didn't necessarily downgrade the prospects we didn't get the big hits you know it was a big sort of cobalt nickel Norilsk, Foisy Bay, Sudbury that type of sort of big scale uh, play you know big targets uh, lots of good geochem lots of good geophysics but you know we were always going to have to hit something um, big in um, the first year or two otherwise the market will lose interest and unfortunately <clears throat> you know, the stock ran to 10 cents on huge volume, you know, got a 100 mil market cap. Um, 
you know, we sort of pulled back from Greenland. We then had some uh, interesting PG results uh, right on a tenement boundary by a company called Galileo Mining, who had the ground to the north of the Mount Thirsty joint venture with Greenstone. Uh, that's um, proven successful for Galileo, although I think their results are a bit low grade for a PG. They're in that sort of, you know, if you convert them to gold equivalents in that sort of two to three gram range, which is not really, I think, um, going to work. But we had a pretty good run last year, but that mineralization didn't trend on uh, onto our ground. So we've really reverted back to uh, looking at the cobalt, nickel, scandium potential um, on on the oxide, um, and look at trying to work that up, given the the sort of interest in you know cobalt, nickel, and obviously batteries and ability to make sort of precursor cathode material. Okay, and um. Your relationship with Greenstone, um, that is, is, is a 50-50. And, and who's who's kind of doing the the day-to-day -day management of the project? Is, is it Greenstone? Uh, Greenstone's taken more of a role the last uh, two years. It's Chris Hansen, who's a geologist from New Zealand, uh, has taken over the role. He's sort of got a new team around him. He's become a lot more active, which has been good. He's quite... Um, progressive in his thoughts on the project and quite enthusiastic so um you know that's been a pretty strong relationship we've built with him over the last two years and um he's pretty keen to sort of move the project to the next level and does that mean uh th th this is how this works that you can be an executive director of conoco but um kind of busy with your uh, rm capital work um because with with greenstone um, sorry, with your green, um, with your Greenland projects, effectively uh, now a data bank that you can trade, perhaps to get an earning partner for for a company that wants to invest in the longer term exploration play there, um, and Greenstone doing the day to day kind of executive management of the technical aspects. You, you've effectively got a relatively light touch role uh, in in the management of Conoco. Well, to, to an extent. To an extent, we're a bit understaffed. I mean, really what we're looking to do in the next <clears throat> six months is put a, a new team in to run the Mount Thirsty joint venture following a spin-out, hopefully, uh, and another capital raise. So that would probably see Greenstone and Conico spin it out and distribute the shares in the new vehicle to the respective shareholders and put a new board and a new team in place to, to try and move it up um, from a scoping study level, which would hopefully have that finished in late June or July this year, uh, ready to move into the pre-feasibility stage. When you talk about a spin-out, kind of they're taking the 50-50s and, and, and effectively putting a new company around Mount Thirsty. Um, is there any part of you that thinks, oh, we could just fold in Conoco into Greenstone and actually just create one company there? Well, we possibly could. I think... Um, Greenstone's busy with its gold assets. They've got a pretty active um, gold exploration pro uh, program around the Coolgardie region. So I think um, they would rather have, because it's a, a different budget, I guess, and uh, the potential capital expenditure on Mount Thursday is going to be on the higher end. So it probably doesn't fit with their gold assets. So I think they would probably prefer to see it sort of spun out uh, into a new vehicle. Okay. Okay, uh, 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 that makes sense. Um, and um, tell me about the 
the the the, the recent changes that you've done on Mount Thirsty because you you did have a kind of a a, a relatively small cobalt uh, resource, but you've kind of uh, increased that by adding in um, different styles of mineralization and um, kind of different tonnages, different metallurgy. Yeah, yeah, we have actually what what we've done is. Um... A bit of recent history. We did a PFS based on, on an atmospheric leach, and I thought the results from that were pretty average, to be honest with you. Uh, given the recoveries of nickel were about 20%, cobalt was about 80 So what we've done is looked at the project using high-pressure acid leach, which used to be a bit of a dirty word, you know, 20 years ago, but with the uh, the new generation H power plants up in Indonesia going extremely well. We thought that that might be a good time to revisit it. So we've run a sort of desktop study, I guess, if you'd call it, on H power uh, and rerun the resource numbers at Mount Thirsty. So the resource has gone from 29 million tons to about 66 million or 62 million tons, I think, at a slightly lower grade, but. We think that the H power should be able to uh, mine grades down to sort of 0.06 um, cobalt and you know down to sort of 0.4, 0.5 nickel. 0.4, 0. 0.5. I thought quite a lot of the grade of the nickel was lower than that. Or well, I thought that was the that was uh, well the average grade in that 66 million tons is it's about it's 0.06 cobalt, 0.43 nickel and 0.45 manganese there's quite a bit of material in that 0.6 to 0.8 so i mean part of the scoping study that we'll do we'll look at optimizing and maybe doing a little bit of high grading in the first for the five to seven years i mean fortunately with the new hpal projects um they're ramping up a lot quicker than the old generation you know three to four or five months they seem to ramp up as opposed to one to two years so um. Uh, hopefully that should make a bit of a difference. What's what's it? What, what? <laughs> you've just done this. You've just done the kind of the desktop study on this on these kind of fifth generation H power plants. And to 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 me, I mean, I've I've still got the twenty year old image in my mind of Marin Marin. You know, so bad they built it twice, kind of thing. Um, you know, high pressures, corrosive acids, um, leaks. It just 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 capital blowouts and never reaching nameplate capacity. Yeah. All of the above, uh, you know, Beerlong, uh, Coors, Marin Marin, Ravensthorpe. Um, I don't think anyone actually wants to go back and work out the, the cost overruns because they they probably uh, have a nervous breakdown, but they were significant. Um, but if you look at um, the the new generation, they seem to have ironed out a lot of the bugs. Um, they seem to be coming online quicker, you know, the Chinese uh, are building a lot of these in, in Indonesia. Um, so it seems to evolve. Certainly, if you talk to Simulus, who are the consultant on the scoping study, they're a lot more optimistic about the, the performance, you know, not only the cost of these H-power plants, but their, their performance and, you know, the downtime, redundancy, you know, there's a lot of operational efficiencies. I'm not a process engineer, but, uh, speaking to them, you know, it's a different different generation. Ravensthorpe's now making a lot of money. You know, they're um, beneficiating 0.7, 0.8 gram, uh, so percent nickel 
uh, up to sort of 1.2%, getting good recoveries. Um, seems to be operating a lot of pain. If I wanted to watch, um, kind of monitor the progress of one of these new plants, what what company should I, you know, watch in just in terms of kind of um, monthly or quarterly performance? Is it, is is there anything is there anything I can follow? Uh, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard because if you look at Vale, um, some of the Chinese Indonesian operations, uh, it's pretty hard to get reliable data. But uh, you've got obviously. Uh, um uh nickel resources that are listed that's probably the um um the one to go and uh nic is the code oh so that's probably is it, um uh, yeah. a really original name there there we go wonderful yeah that's right um that's probably the one that would give you the best idea they've got they're reporting on about four three to four operations there so and we've got a lot of the cost data. We're sort of looking at it. it you know, they seem to be running pretty well. Um, so I think I'm a bit more confident about, um, you know, that next, you know, being able to execute something at Mount Thirsty that's a bit more efficient than some of the old ones that were built here. And what's the um, kind of mineralog mineralogical sensitivity, or does it not really matter? If you're melting rock, you can get the nickel out. Well, I think... Um, <clears throat> You know, we, we're moving from atmospheric to high-pressure acid leach, so we're going from, you know, 80 degrees south to 800 uh, degrees C. You know, the problem with the laterites is you need uh, a lot of energy to break down that latticework nickel, so, um, you know, that would account for getting the nickel recoveries up from 20 to 90%, cobalt up from 80% to, to the low 90s. So that will make a difference. Um, the scandium we've identified, um, we could bake an oxide out of scandium. That looks like it could be 20 to 30 grams a ton. So that's 20 to 30 dollars, maybe 40 dollars a ton. Uh, and the other opportunity is to make a precursor cathode material, which trades at a 50% premium. So um, there are a few of the sort of enhancements that we might see out of the scoping study. And um, how does the how does the um, when when would the scandium come out in a in a in an HPAL process? Well, I, I, I couldn't tell you specifically, other than um, I would say it's come out in the same concentrate. It's a matter of separating out those concentrates, at, you know, before you get to the precursor cathode part of the plant. So um, it wouldn't be a lot different to making a, a nickel cobalt hydroxide, and I thought. Uh, I mean, we are flexible on what sort of product we're going to make. I mean, we could make a hydroxide, um, but yeah, the the enhancement of the economics are really through making that precursor cathode material. And um, the, the the manganese is it? Well, um, well, that we could make a manganese sulfate. Um, that's a possibility, or we could um, the the manganese could go into the precursor cathode material, which is sort of part of that. Um, PCAM product. Okay. Um, and so the, this is all going to come out in a scoping study, or, or um, w w when is that scoping study due for kind of um publication? Hopefully, late June, early July. 
Okay, and so principle. So what I'm what I'm hearing here or reading is that you're going to use that scoping study as your your launch pad for a, a standalone Mount Thirsty um, related company. Yes, yeah. So I think do the scoping study, do the book build for the spin out. Hopefully, get a cornerstone or an underwriter in for the um, capital raising. Yeah, we might raise anywhere from sort of five to fifteen million dollars. Aussie, depending on how things are looking. Uh, so that's a sort of, you know, realistic outcome. Yeah, we're fairly optimistic we'll get a, a good number out of the uh, the scoping study. So, but we're going to need to see a good set of financial metrics as well. I mean, putting something out with an NPV of 400 million and the CapEx of 1.2 billion is not going to cut it. So we're going to need to see some pretty good numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um. And in terms of your cash position at the moment, have you, have you got sufficient budget to cover the scoping study or sufficient treasury to cover the scoping study and then kind of give you a few months more beyond that? That's about it, yeah. We're, we, we're probably right till, you know, maybe September, October, November. But, yeah, we're running it fairly tight at the moment. So, um, yeah, we'll certainly be raising money this calendar year, that's for sure. Presumably, the one of the key variables in this is going to be the nickel price, and um, you know the, the, that's been um, whipping around all over the place, and there's kind of a bit of weakness at the moment. Um, how do you see the, the and and certainly in the junior resources space, it feels very cash cash constrained. I I, I don't know what it, where, where you're sitting at, but where I'm sitting, it feels pretty pretty difficult. Um, what what's the mood in the market that you're seeing in terms of both nickel and appetite for um, these kind of capital raises? Look, there's there's still appetite. We've been pretty active on the stock-breaking side here, although we're raising smaller amounts of money at, at lower prices and there's less liquidity. So it is pretty tough, I think. Um, I think there's still, if you've got a project of scale, you can still attract uh, money. Um, and there's certain interest from the end users um, in in these sort of projects, and from you know the IGOs and VHPs who who look at sort of take a longer term view. But you know the the nickel market, interestingly, is going to surplus next year or the and the year after probably mostly out of nickel production out of Indonesia. So if you're a believer in H power, you probably will see that oversupply of nickel. Uh, coming in a bit more softness, which is probably already priced in. And, um, you know, and cobalt hasn't had a great run either, to be honest with you. That's back at, you know, 35,000 US a tonne. Um, uh, been a bit above supply and a little bit less usage in batteries than we probably thought. But fortunately, you know, the Australian dollar's sort of taken a bit of that uh, st- uh a bit of that commodity price decline and you know we've had a 15 percent drop in the, in the a dollar so that sort of helped yeah okay interesting and um uh, if, if um I, I recall that there's some kind of lithium um pegmatites as well that you drilled a few years ago that kind of have come back on the radar screen as well yeah they did and then went off the radar uh didn't really get a lot of joy there, there was a uh an old sort of uh lithium mine an old tantalum mine sorry uh, close by but yeah not a lot I mean we've tested a lot of the hard rock potential on our ground uh, what we did get out of the last round of drilling though was the scandium which hadn't previously been assayed in the top 
50 metres. So I think that'll probably be the next focus to go and drill the, the scandium and that to the resource. And that'll be something that'll come out into the pre-feasibility study. We're not going to look at that in the scoping study because we haven't got, can't bring into a job resource, but that's a bit of upside. But be while the hard rock potential, you know, the, um, the deeper hard rock PGE potential, the lithium, I think we've tested on, on that tenement. Okay, so when you talk about the scandium, is, is, is that from the, uh, on the Mount Thirsty resource itself? I mean, can you go back and uh, either resample uh, pulps or um, coarse rejects or possibly even uh, existing core? We've got, we've got some pulp left. A lot of them have been because a lot of the drilling's quite old. So we're going to have to go and re-drill a bit of it. It's probably a discussion with the the resource guys who are doing the modelling as to how much they want us to re-drill or whether they can see some correlation on you know a more limited drilling um, footprint that they're going to allow us to use and project over their deposits. So that's something we're yet to sort of resolve. But yeah, we'll take more drilling. And there'll be another round of drilling anyway as part of, you know, if we move to the feasibility study to... Um, to upgrade uh, more uh, inferred into indicated. Uh, there's also, uh, from one of your recent cross sections, there's kind of a, a big open section off to the, uh, off, off to the, I think it was to the west. Um, um, or maybe it was to the south. Maybe it was just the, the, the uh, and it was the left hand side of the page. You know, there's kind of a big untested area. Um, is, is that yeah, part of the worst? Yeah. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few few gaps in the resource that and that's one area that needs to be tested the resource gets a little bit deeper out to the west so i'm not quite sure we'll probably have to do a bit more modeling to see how much further we want to how much more drilling we want to do in that area but there are a few holes in the resource and a bit of infill particularly now as we've lowered the cutoff grade from um quite significantly so um yeah that'll open up a few other opportunities to infill and expand a resource um, and if an investor was looking to kind of come into um conico um is is surely the best time if if, if you're kind of going to buy into the the mount thirsty resource surely the best time is to wait until the spin out yeah pro probably i mean you know at some time we'll do a spin out we'll we'll be x entitlement um how much lower i mean the stock's been under a bit of pressure you know, generally from the market, not obviously through not seeing that extension of galvanisation under our tenement and and the hangover from Greenland, you know, we've sort of been hit. So I think we're probably in a in a sort of bottoming phase with the stock price and probably the junior end of the market. I think sort of bouncing on on the bottom here. Slightly um, curious about your kind of your comments about the nickel market. You kind of see that going to surplus. Do you, so, do you, do you feel that kind of is going to be pressure on the nickel price in twenty twenty four? Is is that what you're saying? Well, I think I think the market, you know, uh, whether I'm right or wrong, is probably looking six to twelve months ahead. So we've seen a pretty significant hit on the nickel price anyway. Um, I mean, there is a bit of risk in ramping up. H power production in, in Indonesia in particular, but um, there seems to be enough foreign investment into Indonesia to make that happen. Um, so whether we see nickel come off it uh, a lot more, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, the problem with a lot of this, these projections, as you know, is that they've been 
uh, wrong on uh, both the up and the downside, in particular with you know iron ore forecasting. But nickel has been pretty tricky as well. So, um, yeah, the demand side is looking a bit softer with China and and um, you know the economic news coming out of there. So look, right now, yeah, there could be a bit more downside in nickel. And and if there is more commodity downside, I think there's more downside in the A dollar. Right. Okay. Good. Well, um, in terms of news flow from um, Conoco, so um, are you going to put anything out in between now on the scoping study, or is that kind of the main target for the kind of? Um, I mean, here we are in kind of. Well, we've probably got a few more scanning results uh, and nickel and cobalt results in that last phase of drilling. Uh, we might have a little bit of sort of engineering met uh, data to put out. Uh, the major news will, will be that scoping study, which is only you know six to eight weeks away. So we're hoping that's you know going to you know put Mount Thirsty back on the map. Um, you know, scoping studies I've never been a massive fan of because of the uh, you know uncertainty you know plus or minus 50 percent you know it could be worth nothing or it could be worth a lot of money um in this case i thought it was important because we haven't we've only done one study in the last 15 years and that study was underwhelming so i thought we had to actually put something out to give us the confidence to actually go and raise money for a pfs um and hooking up the likes of you know the engineering uh, the met consultant simulus who do have you know, current knowledge of and are working in Indonesia on H power gave us a bit of confidence that that was the right thing to do. Uh, and and the world has changed very much in fifteen years in terms of um, process engineering, uh, met, kind of reagents, a whole a whole variety of things, and not least met, um, uh, energy costs. Uh, there, yes, there's been inflation, but equally there's been a commodity price um, shift as well. I mean. Uh, nickel prices of twenty five thousand dollars a ton is, are very different to what they were a few just even a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a different world. Obviously, the the economics of this project uh, look very different. In particular, the precursor cathode material, which sells a bit of a premium. And there are risks, obviously, in in going down that pathway. But the reality is, if this project is going to be developed, it's probably going to require a big partner. Um, now, whether that's an industry player or obviously we've got the rise of private equity, uh, that's another option who are obviously getting more active in mining projects. Um, so there's, you know, I, I suppose our job is to show what's possible on the company, on the project and what makes sense from an economic point of view. What product we ultimately produce might be determined by, you know, the partner who comes in to help develop it. First up is the kind of the, the creation of a new company, the spin out from outside of um, Greenstone and Conoco. Um, you're not, are you, you're, presumably, you're not speaking to uh, large scale or kind of industrials or partners or PE for, for that uh, exercise, are you? I mean, are you still considering this as kind of a junior mining um, uh, enterprise for the time being? Yeah, it's more sort of small institution, family office. Um you know, wholesale retail investors, that sort of thing. So more you sort of uh, smaller end of town. But we have had approaches from some bigger players who are looking at the project, but it's probably a little bit early for uh, to get those sort of groups. And I think they probably want to want to see a, a 
PFS completed first before they dig their toe in the water. Good. Um, Guy, thank you very much. Sorry I've got a very noisy um, um, cock outside, so to speak. Um, <laughs> I hope he wasn't put off by the um, the commentary. No, no, no. Um, it's just a bit hormonal. It's that time of year, yeah. Um, <clears throat> good. Well, good luck with the scoping study and um, look forward to um, seeing and hearing the results of that. Great. Thanks, Mel. Been a pleasure.